Hello, and thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy. And Masha. And this week, we're talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a 1975 film adapted from the 1962 novel of the same name by Ken Casey. The story follows R.P. McMurphy, a criminal who is a new patient of a mental rehabilitation ward. His rebellious attitude riles up the residents of the ward and challenges the authorities of the head nurse, Nurse Ratched. Mm. This is an all-time... <laughs> American, so all-time American classic that Masha didn't know anything about at all. So it's a great, great I've... movie to make somebody watch. All right. <laughs> uh, like I said, it was based on a novel by Ken Casey, but the script was written by Lawrence Haubin and Bo Goldman, and it was directed by Milos Forman, and it's starring Jack Nicholson, Louise Flesher, Will Sampson, and Brad Dourif. All right. It had a budget, very small budget of initial two million. It actually ballooned up to four point four because they went over budget. But it grossed $163.3 million. Jesus this Christ. blew the roof off the audience. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. That's a studio dream. Yeah. Nominated for nine Academy Awards, bringing home five of them. Wow. And it actually won what they call the Big Five. I don't know if you ever heard about that. No. Only three movies have ever won the Big Five. They consider it, they call it the Big Five because it's like the most coveted. It's like the five big awards that are the most coveted. So this movie won Best Screenplay for the writer. Best Actress for Louise Fletcher, Best Actor for Jack Nicholson, Best Director for Milos Forman, and Best Picture. Wow. So, like, you know. The Big Five. Yeah, it's called The Big Five. Um, and then that's the head nurse, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> no, it was, the, it was Candy, the other <laughs> woman in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it could have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, not that the Oscars mean, like, the end of the world or anything. Like, it's not like they, they're the end-all, be-all of, of rating things. But I think it's pretty interesting that only three movies have ever won those five awards in one year. The last time it happened before this was 1934 with It Happened One Night, which I've actually never seen. It's like a romantic comedy from uh-huh. the 30s. And then it didn't happen again until 91 with Sounds of the Lambs. So those, oh. are, those are the three that won the big five. Sleepless in Seattle. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke alert. Um, uh, was the book as successful as the movie? Yeah, it was pretty successful. Um, so I'm going to get into it in the backstory. But yeah, the book came out in 62 and then immediately became a stage play. Oh, and yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go into the backstory, like I said, but um, basically just studios didn't really want to make it. So they were trying to get it made since the 60s. It just didn't get around till 1975 that they finally got like right. you know, all the ducks in a row. They needed to wait till Jack Nicholson got old enough to portray the character. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you want to try guess the Rotten Tomatoes? Both oh, jeez. I mean, I think it's it's probably like both in the 90s. That's my guess. Yeah, but come on. That's all right, all right. Uh, I'm gonna say 92 critics, all right. nine, 89 audience. Ooh, not both in the 90s. <sighs> I uh, know. No, no, I'm saying your guess wasn't. Both <laughs> I know, I know. So, uh, critics 96, <laughs> audience 94. Ah, it's, I should have uh, gone with yeah, my initial yeah. gut feeling. It's pretty. Yeah, it's a pretty across the board that uh, they nailed it on this one. Wow. Uh, <laughs> For the record, my first note was. I'm scared and already sad. Yeah, so actually, I think this would be fun. <laughs> because this movie is 
so iconic in American cinema, and I know you didn't know almost anything about it. Like, I want to start with you there, <laughs> like before, because I I did the thing where I didn't even like show you the DVD. I, I turned it on yeah. when you weren't in the room, and I just hit play. Yeah. So like, you hear <laughs> you hear the words "One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest." Where did your mind go? I mean, I've heard the title of it my whole life. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, but I never knew what it was about. Somehow, I never read it in high school. Like it. To me, I never read in high school either. It's pretty. I don't think anybody reads in high school. Oh really? No, it's oh, pretty fucked up. Okay, yeah, well yeah, yeah. then. I mean, I read it when I was in high school, but right. I didn't read it in high school. Is it like a banned book or something? It was for a while, yeah. Whoa, a bunch of places. That's crazy. Yeah, well, yeah. I especially never... for being written in '62, like it was subversive as fuck. Like, mm-hmm. Well, I never read it. Um, so honestly, like I don't know how a title could travel so far, but like not the story or what it's yeah, about. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty unique title. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, it's not called like the ward. Like right. you're not gonna forget it. It's one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Well, I will say the one thing I thought is I thought it was going to be about like black people suffering in the '60s. Like uh, that's why I, I think subconsciously what have the, been what avoiding in that title it. Did that for you? I don't know. It just has like one of those title. It's like. The Song of Solomon, you know, yeah, like I just, yeah. I just automatically, my brain was like, yeah, so you don't want to read nest, that. You didn't relate to like mental institution, like it did not. You know, like, no. like, oh, the of the cuckoo's nest. I never, I guess I never really thought about it, but I think for me, it was just like, oh, it's probably about that. So yeah, yeah. best to avoid it. <laughs> it's based on an old poem and in the book it's written out all the way through. I what do you mean? That phrase, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, is in a poem. Oh, I like see. Like an old I see. poem. And that okay. poem's in the book, not in the movie. Oh, um, gotcha. Okay. I, I don't really know poetry, so when I read it, it didn't really mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. I can't. I, I, don't know, I don't know how to. Uh, Never write Andy a poem. I just don't Got know how it. to analyze poetry. Like, I'm just like, I don't I don't get. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Oh, my God. No, I want to write you a poem to see your reaction. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to. Is it going to be like a, a poem or like a rhyming, like Dr. Seuss? No, like? I, no I'll write you a poem. Okay. Because I understand, like, the children's ones, like, the ones that rhyme. Yeah. Like, like that's what it was in elementary school. Like, we're learning poetry. And I was like, cool. I was like, I like a cat. You know, <laughs> then I went and bought a hat. You know, I was like, ah, I get that. But then when it's just like, wind, the sound of sorrow, existence, <laughs> tomorrow. And then, like, that's the end. And I'm just like, I don't know why that's a poem. <laughs> you know? like I, I Yeah, some poems I'm like, <laughs> like I think what? that's BS. You like, know? It's wor- like, yeah. <laughs> But I know people. That, you know, you can study it. You can analyze it. Of like, course, it's, yeah. I'm saying I'm just. It's not me. I don't. I don't know what it is. But I don't. I don't know what a poem is or why it's a poem. All I don't right. know when words don't. I know rules. Like I know haikus. Like I'll, I'll read the fuck out of a haiku. So this has five, nothing seven, five, to do with anything. But I in high school, um, there's a national like poetry res- recitation competition, uh-huh. and I made I think second or third place in my high school competition. Like basically, you go to this website and you pick a poem and you memorize it, and uh-huh. you they judge you by like just, your just by reciting. Yeah, Weird. like it's like performance. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so I made. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Um, and then like the girl who won ended up winning the national competition, but uh, that's like my closest relationship, my, or my, I guess my my poetry story. Uh huh. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, to get us back on track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you knew nothing. You thought it was about black suffering. Yes. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, black suffering. And uh... <laughs> uh, did you even know like Jack Nicholson was? Did you know like this was one of the roles that made him famous? I did not. Wow. No. So like even when it started, you didn't know he was in it until it was a Jack Nicholson 
an opening credits exactly wow. yeah and i was thinking about it like i haven't really watched that many jack nicholson movies to me he always takes on like crazy roles like i think anger management when i think of jack nicholson. i was about to ask i bet the only thing you've ever seen of him was adam sandler's <laughs> anger management <laughs> I'm like, man, that guy knows how to play angry. He's, he knows how to goose frava. <laughs> now repeat after me. Goose frava. Goose blah blah. So yeah, I guess I didn't really know that much about, or I don't, I yeah, haven't really watched he's a that much Jack young Nicholson. Man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he is. I mean, he what is he in like 30 in this movie? Uh, the character they say he's 38, but I didn't look up how old he actually is. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, I guess, what about you? Like, did you know, you probably knew everything about it before you watched it. No, actually, I didn't. Um, I saw this one pretty early in uh, in high school. We had a film class that was, like, new. I, I can't remember if it was the first <laughs> year or not. Is this the guy who, like, you, you told me about a teacher who kind of just, like, threw stuff on, but it was, like, stuff he wanted <laughs> to watch? No, that was middle school. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I had, that was a different class in middle school. That one was truly bullshit. That's when we watched like the Hulk and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like we watched yeah. whatever came out in two thousand three <laughs> that he got at Blockbuster. Uh, in uh, in high school, we actually had like a pretty sweet uh, film class, and I ended up seeing a lot of stuff I never really saw before. Like that was even the first place I saw The Godfather, mm. and uh, it was only for seniors. It was like I don't even remember if it was an elective or not. It probably was. It was only for seniors, and you even have to get like permission slip signed because we watched like you know racy Rated stuff. R. Yeah, yeah. The teacher was always notorious for pausing every like eight, four minutes to like describe what's going on. And, Come like, on. Not, not plot way. He was actually he was really smart. Like he actually taught me how to analyze film a little bit. Like, but it was it people did were annoyed by it because most people besides me didn't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like they just wanted to get the plot going. But he would be like, "See, do you understand why this guy is like?" Like, why the shadow's hitting him this way? You know what I mean? And stuff like that. I see. So it was fun for me, but everyone else hated it. But we watched this in that class, and then, yeah, like, you know, watching it 40 minutes at a time, uh, it was even wilder, because, like, this movie oh, changes tone so much, like, scene to scene. Oh, yeah. So, like, some days you'd leave, and, like, you know, like the, the crew just had, like, a great day, and you're like, ah, I love those guys. And the <laughs> next day you leave, it's on tragedy, and you're like, ah, these guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I saw it there, and then... Uh, like, immediately was like, this is crazy. Like, this movie's nuts. I can't believe I never saw this. So, like, I bought it on DVD. Same DVD we have today, which is now broken because it was scratched halfway through. Oh, uh, yeah. That was hard. Rent that it on YouTube. a little pretty, bit of your, your class. It was sad. like, all right, class is over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I bought the book, read that. So oh, you did read it. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's on our shelf. You know? I know. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I read the book. Um, I will say I read the book in high school, so the oh. intimate details are definitely lost on me. I remember the big stuff, you know, but like, I, I'm not going to be able to be like truly giving you a one-to-one. Okay. I can give you a good amount of one-to-one, but not like, not little things. Okay. I had to look up some stuff to remember it. But yeah, I mean, this one's just always been in heavy rotation. I haven't seen a ton of Milos Forman movies, but he also directed Man on the Moon, which I love. The Jim Carrey Jim movie. Jim Carrey, yeah. The one I think I showed it to you. Yes. Yeah, we watched it. Yeah. When he plays Andy Kaufman. Yes. Yeah, I love that movie too. And then uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but after watching that Jim and Andy documentary where we all... Like, remember like, three years ago that documentary came out that showed us that Jim Carrey was a goddamn psycho that entire time they made that movie? You watched it. I don't think uh, I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the story mm-hmm. is like yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he basically said that... Like Andy Kaufman took over his soul and became him during the entire production, and so he just acted like a dick the whole time. Yeah, and there's so much footage of Milos just like 
just just like dying inside like he'd be on the phone he'd be like please just please let me talk to jim and like and he'll be like jim's not here this is andy and he'll be like please i just i, need, I can't have andy anymore you know so i don't know so i, I always love me like he's got that, that sweet accent he's great. i i would really love it if like jack nicholson if you were to tell me like he did the same thing where like that character took over him oh that would be so <laughs> for, funny for the cuckoo's nest yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kept, reading on thing. I kept reading online that they didn't get along and that, Aww. but like they purposely like didn't report that. So like when reporters came, they acted like they were like buddies, but outside of a couple of like little interviews, I can't really corroborate that. Oh, um, well, that but, makes me sad. Yeah. But yeah, movie's fucking great, man. Wrap it up. You love it? You love what I love? <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> This is another one of those situations where uh, the author hates the movie and refuses oh, to... Oh, come on. He claims... He's claimed he's never seen it once in his life. I kind of don't think that's possible. Wait, how can you hate on something you've never seen? He he started to work on it in the beginning and then saw the direction they were going and was just like, this is not my story and like bounced. Oh, had a different vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to bring stuff up more in the spoiler section about how the book is different than the movie mm, doing a movie version of the podcast but we can uh if i start talking about it now it's gonna spoil stuff so okay. we'll, we'll wait All right. but basically yeah he he wrote it uh, or published it in 1962 and he actually worked like the graveyard shift at a psych ward like that's kind of where he got the idea he was the black man in the movie <laughs> yeah except white <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he would work the graveyard shift and just like and you really got to think about it, like, not that I know a lot about the history of mental rehabilitation, but mm-hmm. I don't even know how great it is now, but I know, like, it was no, a, it a long history of fucked up treatment. Oh, for sure. And, um... That's why I knew this was going to be a screwed up movie. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he was really wanted... He wanted to write about, like, what he was seeing and kind of, like, make it known, because most people don't know, like... Mm-hmm. Especially even if it's, like, someone in your family, like, he's it's mentally unstable, you ship him off... And then you just don't really hear from them ever again. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not like you're not checking in on them, really. You know? So it's like he wanted to write the story just kind of really just criticizing that whole, the whole system, you know? Hmm. And it was, it did come at a time where we were moving away from, they called it deinstitutionalization, where like prior to this time, the answer to everything messed up was just, oh, institutionalize them. Like, just go put them in that building. They'll stay there till they're dead. Right. And then, like, around the 60s was when we started adopting these practices of, like, understanding the mind and trying to, like, you know, separate people by their, uh, separ- like, you know, figure out what's actually wrong with them and help them instead mm-hmm. of just, like, you know, instead of just, like, putting them all in a room and just, you know, f- wait it out. Right. I think that was felt wild. And then the other part of his personality that's always talked about is uh he volunteered to be in a lot of experiments using mind altering drugs, which were very new at the time. Like the author volunteered. Yeah, like acid and uh um like mescaline and other stuff like that. Okay. Uh the, like the government was doing tests on it to to see what what it does. And so he would volunteer for that stuff and it like he was like on board. Like he was just like, Oh, this is the answer to unlocking the mind, like we should all be on this. So then he just started taking L S D like recreationally and stuff. Uh-huh. And so he said that like it's it was a mix of like being in the wards and either I don't know if he was high in the wards or if it was just like residual, like you know, like but he was just like he was like imagining this wild shit and that's kinda how he got inspired to write this Whoa. book. Um and the book is way more like heady and a little more surreal. Like the movie's very straightforward and grounded, and the book I explain why, but it gets it's it's a lot it's a lot weirder, and in my opinion, it made it hard to read sometimes. Where like I would just be four pages into like a diatribe about <laughs> something that someone's mind was like playing tricks on them, and you'd just be like, I don't know, 
You know what I mean? Like, oh, what the fuck I is see. going on? Like, you know, like, like it's a lot of that. Like, is that happening? Do they think it's happening? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, a lot of conspiracy shit going on. So right. It's a great book, but it was. I remember. I remember it being hard to read at times. Mm-hmm. I was also like sixteen, so maybe now I'd actually be able to understand it a little more. Hmm. Interesting. Because um, I will say, actually, as much as I love this movie, this was probably my favorite viewing of it. I haven't watched it in probably eight years, mm-hmm. and. uh I just feel like with a little more maturity, like this movie gets better and better. Like when you can understand right. the situation a little more or when you're closer to the people's age, I guess. Yeah. I know the movie didn't really do what this guy did, but I do think there were a little bit of uh, a, a few elements of is that real or is that what it is? And we could talk about. Oh, that interesting. All right. Cool. Cool. That's actually crazy. You like the, uh, it was like Mila Forman's goal to like not be that like he wanted everything to feel as real as possible mm. and like. Well, I still had some questions. Oh, interesting. All right, so we we can talk. We can talk. Um, so like I said, when the the rights to the book were bought up, they were actually bought up by Kirk Douglas, the famous actor. Mm-hmm. Michael Douglas is dead. Oh, gotcha. Uh, Thank you. And, <laughs> the famous uh, actor. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Very famous actor. <laughs> he bought the rights to the book and he got the he was the one who got the play made and he played McMurphy on the stage version. Ooh. Um and he like loved it and he loved the story and he was the one constantly trying to get it made and like no studio wanted it. Like and if they did want it, they wanted way too many changes. Like they were just like this is I mean, you think about, you know, cinema at the time. We were still just getting into like this movie fits firmly in the seventies of the kind of cinema we were making in the 70s but right before that there was so much you know like you, the stuff you could show on tv like remember psycho was the first time we saw a toilet yeah you know like that wasn't that was 1960 slow start you know, this slow is 1962 start. you can't really go full bo- you know it's the same thing like in the psycho book it's a decapitation where he rips cuts her head off in the shower they have to change it for the movie you can't. right so they just thought this was like unfilmable by at the time standards so yeah they did it on stage for a long time eventually kirk douglas just kind of gave up and then he gave the writes to his son to michael oh, wow. and was like see if, if you can do it go for it like I, I can't get this done and then he was able to he found the producer who was interested and then they basically put the money up themselves because every studio kept saying no damn michael douglas or they wanted him to change the ending like they just like they were just like listen if you're gonna make it it has to you know be a little bit nicer it's gotta be this gotta be that and they kept saying no and then eventually they just figured like let's make it for two million, you know, like it's not, you know, it's a pretty small budget, but like they're like it's one location, mostly one location outside of a couple things, right? You know, so they rocked it for two million and uh, basically just made it on their own. And yeah, Michael Douglas was there every single day, like on set. Like when you watch the DVD documentary, it's almost entirely him talking about it. Like he remembers every single moment. Like wow. it was like a passion project. And you know, originally they did they did want to have Kirk Douglas play it, but by the time it was 1975, he was way too old to play McMurphy. Uh, I like, was just about to ask if he was uh, alive to see the movie. He was, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, he just never. Uh, he was just like, yeah, you can't. We can't have too- like a McMurphy in his late 50s. Like it doesn't right. make sense. No cameo. <laughs> no, no cameo. <laughs> And yeah, it's pretty wild. And then uh, Milos Forman's from Czechoslovakia, and he made some movies over there. And so, I don't know, somebody saw them, they loved it. And then they brought him over, uh, and they, apparently they said, like, he... They brought him in to, like, meet him. Like, oh, let's have a meeting and just chat. And, like, he said he brought the script and insisted that they get, like, page by page. And he was going to tell them, like, exactly what he had in mind for every page. Whoa. And they were just like, yeah, there was no one else doing that. <laughs> like, we got to hire this guy. That's and crazy. he was cheap. Milos said that, too, where he's like, you know, they had no money. So, of course, like, they wanted some random European director no one ever heard That's of. That's the perfect recipe. Like, cheap, but also, like, passionate about yeah. your project. And, like, we'll do a good job. Yeah, there was a story where, like, apparently... Like, he met Kirk Douglas in the 60s, 
And Kirk was like, I have a book I want to send you because I want you to make a movie. And he was like, oh, shit. Like, he was like an up-and-comer. And then the book never came. And then he spent, like, almost 10 years, like, resenting Michael Douglas. Oh. <laughs> and then he, uh, when he, he got, I know, no, Kirk Douglas. Kirk. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, then when yeah. Michael called him, he kind of, like, told him the story. And then Kirk was like, yo, I spent 10 years thinking you were an asshole because you never, like, uh. you didn't even tell me you hated the book. Like, you just didn't say anything. And then That's he was like, so I thought funny. you never sent it. And apparently, because it was a banned book, Customs, uh. <gasps> Bandit when it got to the Czechoslovakian border oh my and God. wouldn't give it to him. That's hilarious. <laughs> so they like, were just like hating on each yeah, other yeah, for yeah. years. <laughs> just like you motherfucker. Oh, that's great. Wow. Um, we, we're gonna go obviously to the plot, but this movie's got a powerhouse cast. It's one of those. Uh, I, I uh, think I know one. I think I know two people. Uh, oh well, I know more than that. But but like you know the, you know this is like kind of like the days of the confused scenario where it's like. It just happened to be where, like, 70% of the cast became stars. <laughs> and, like, nobody could ever see that coming. Yeah. The idea with Mila, she said he purposely needed it to be one star, Jack Nicholson, surrounded by people you've never seen before. It's mm. everyone else's first movie. Wow. Because he was like, I w he's like, that subconsciously allows you as the audience to believe that they would rally around this guy mm. there's this one person we all recognize and we like and then these people we don't know who are us and then we would also kind of follow jack nicholson if we were in that situation right oh i um, love that oh yeah so uh <laughs> who did you uh spot all right so the first person i spotted and it was because he was the first one who appeared was and I don't know the actor's name, but the guy from Ghost. Vincent Chiavelli. Yeah. <laughs> Haunted by the ghost of Vincent Chiavelli. I've never seen him so young. Yeah. That's insane. I actually like he he was the he was the last one who I recognized. Like like I saw the uh, movie the first time and I was like, oh, I know who that is. I know who that is. But like it wasn't until a couple times in where I was like, is that that fucking guy? You know. <laughs> Vincent Chiavelli. Um the. Other guy I know, I still haven't nailed down where I know him from, but he was the one who was sort of riling up uh, that other guy who was complaining about his wife. At one point in the movie, he lights his leg on fire oh, with a yeah, cigarette. Oh, yeah, Tabor, Tabor. Yeah, what do I freaking know me? him from? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, no. This is going to be fun. Oh, I, I, no. I thought you caught everybody. <laughs> no, but I mean, I know that I know him. Yeah. Shoot. Marty. Oh my god. Marty. No, no. He's he's um um We have to go, Marty. <laughs> 88 miles per hour, Marty. Jesus Christ, he's the crazy guy with the hair that Rick and Morty's face off of. <laughs> right? Or Doc Brown from Back <laughs> to the Future. <laughs> and everything. He's fucking uh, uh you don't Ro even know. Ro Roger Rabbit, fucking Doctor Mr. Doom, oh, Captain Doom, what the fuck his name Captain is. It's yeah. not Captain Doom, I can't remember. You <laughs> fucked me up. My brain's not working. <laughs> Mr. Doom, what the fuck's his name? <laughs> Danger Doom, okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my god, it's all coming back. Remember me, Eddie? When I killed your brother, I talked just He's like the most famous, like Adam's family. Okay, to like, be fair, I don't think I've seen Back to the Future. <laughs> All right, I haven't. His name is Christopher Lloyd. I'm okay. Great, Christopher Lloyd. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I definitely haven't. Yeah, he's in everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't. He's so recognizable in this. <laughs> I knew I knew him, but I just didn't know where from. Wow. That's hilarious. Okay. Anybody else? Is that freaking Danny DeVito? Hell yeah, that's Danny <laughs> DeVito. I can't believe you didn't catch I was so excited that you didn't catch him. Yo. I pre-watched the trailer to make sure they didn't go like, and Danny DeVito, <laughs> and you know. How did you not like, catch him? 
Who else is that fucking small and Danny DeVito like? I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. He, I've never, I didn't even know what da- young Danny DeVito looked like. Looked like that. I had no idea. <laughs> I love the through line though, because we just did Matilda. I know. <laughs> That's why I thought you were going to catch him right away. And then I saw you didn't catch him. And I was like, oh. You know why I didn't catch him? Because his acting's so freaking good. I was like, yo, this guy's like insane. He's like, hit me, hit me, yeah, hit me. He's <laughs> so good. He's the best oh, in this. I can't wait to talk about yeah. that more. And then, but it's wild too because he, him and Christopher Lloyd both go on to be in Taxi, the sitcom, like pretty much right after this. Oh, wow. And if you watch clips of Taxi, like that motherfucker looks and sounds like Danny DeVito. But just like three years earlier, I, I, I'm with you too. It doesn't really look like him. No. But like, like I'll show you. Like I'll show you a clip of him in Taxi, just in like 1977. And you're like, oh, I, he's younger. Yeah. Like he's not old Danny DeVito. But you're like, I see how he grows up to be who he is. Right. This guy could have been anybody. He could have been anybody. Yeah. I really didn't. Oh, I was recognize so excited him. to tell you that that was Danny DeVito. Oh my God. How did, When did you know? Like towards the end. Oh. Uh, yeah. I was like, that. I feel like that's Danny DeVito. <laughs> but like, part of me was like, I don't think so, Masha. Like that can't be Danny DeVito. Yeah, so he was the first to be cast. Um, a because he's Kirk Douglas's friend, but also he played Martini uh, on stage in 1971. Oh. So he was the only one to do that character on the stage and on the movie. Wow. So yeah, he was Martini already. So they were just like, he's great. We gotta keep him. Danny DeVito, man. Like, I don't know. For f- this kind of changes the way I look at him now as an actor because he's like so good. that's yeah. But like, I guess I've only just seen him be like that, like like gruff. Yeah, and like complaining all the time. Like I guess I've never seen him not be there, like play a character like this. Yeah. And that to me just like expands his range and I just never knew that existed. Yeah, I mean even his two most famous characters, Louis on uh Taxi and Frank on Always Sunny, like they're mm-hmm. they're in this they're cut from the same cloth. Like they're yeah. not you know, the, Frank's obviously different, but like Yeah, and even know. Matilda what that we just saw. Yeah. He's like just loud and like yeah, and then there was one Well, I more. loved him because well, he worked with Neil Foreman again in Men on the Moon, but I actually liked oh. him a lot as uh, uh, the manager on that. I thought he was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Um, and the last person I knew um, was, uh, <laughs> you know, I suck at characters' names, but the young, the youngest uh, member of the ward. Isn't he in freaking Harry Potter? Uh, Billy Bibbit? Yeah. Uh, let me, I don't know. He might be, but let me look it up. He plays one of, uh, he's like the rat or something. Not the rat. No. Shoot. He's not in Harry Potter. He's not? Nope. He is in Lord of the Rings, though. Lord of the Rings. That's what it is. Whoa. I took his character and put it in Harry Potter. But he's freaking um, Dobby. No. No. <laughs> oh, he- no, no. He's the king's assistant. Wormtongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wormtongue. Wow. Yeah, I knew it. There he is. But you know who else he is? Oh, shoot. I want a clue. Hmm. I can think of a million clues that are too easy. I'm trying to think of a... Okay. It's a pretty common occurrence in this household for this guy to be around. It's a pretty common occurrence in this household. For this guy to be around. I have no idea what that means. I've met this guy. You've met him? Yes. Chris? (laughs) What is that (laughs) Wait, I don't know. (laughs) What? (laughs) I was like... When I say he's around in the household, I mean like I'm watching it a lot. Oh, <laughs> Not like I see. Just, I'm saying, what character did he play? <laughs> <laughs> what do you? What question are you I answering? I don't know. I don't know.
you you'll, just you'll, tell you'll, me. You'll know after this sound bite. Chucky! <laughs> it's Chucky, baby! <laughs> Don't oh, fuck with the Chuck. My God. <laughs> yeah. Fred Durst's great. Oh, my God. He's in everything. That's not his only, you know, he's, he's more than Lord of the Rings and Chucky and, and this movie. But I'm freaking shocked. I mean, this is what I said to him when I met him, too, where, like, I didn't want to be too much of a fanboy, but I was like, I just let you know I'm a huge fan. It was one of the best movies I ever made. Like, oh. he was like, oh, thank you. Like, you know. Wow. He was yeah. like, yeah, thanks for not saying Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were on a Chucky shoot. Like, it would have been pretty lame to be like, hey, I love uh, that doll. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's Billy Bibby. He's, he's a fantastic actor. He, Fred Durf, deserves everything. He got nominated for Best Actor. Uh, he didn't win, but he got nominated. Wow. And uh, Wait, Best Actor, not Best Supporting Actor? Oh, sorry, actor? Best Supporting Actor. Oh, okay. Nicholson won Best Actor. Uh, the other, real quick, the other awards that got nominated was Cinematography, Editing, and Original Score. It didn't win those, but those were, you know, because I said it got nominated there for There was nine. a score? Yeah. <laughs> that fucking awesome Native American beat. Oh, shit. yeah, yeah. There was a score. <laughs> dun, dun. That was really good. That was great. Yeah, she mm-hmm. was fire. Uh, ooh, I love this movie. Um, <laughs> I was so excited to bust the cast off with you. Like, yo, I was watching the DVD and like it had all of them in modern times doing interviews. And every time oh. Danny DeVito talked, I lowered the volume so low because I didn't want you to hear Danny DeVito's oh, voice. Wow, that's <laughs> funny. From the other room because I wanted to be like, why is Danny DeVito talking about cuckoos now? <laughs> <laughs> Also, not surprising that it happened, but in 93, was put into the Library of Congress Film Registry. Oh, nice. You know, culturally significant and all that. And it was also the uh, second highest grossing movie of 1975. And the writer never saw the movie? That's what he claims, yeah. I still feel like he likes that story more than I believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, he tell me one night he was drinking some whiskey and he's like, I'll watch this motherfucker. Like, alone, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, yep. Um... But uh, yeah, the only movie that beat it out was Jaws, and I think that's a pretty uh, oh. it's a pretty good feat to be like, listen, <laughs> we made the second most money. What was the first Jaws? Like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> the movie that created blockbusters as a concept. Yeah, yeah, I think we uh, nice. <laughs> we can we can roll with that. Um, all right, so I say we got to jump into this non-spoiler section because there's a lot to unpack. <sighs> I'm so mad. All right, you're mad. You got to talk. You got to show your emotions. I just. There's a lot to unpack in this movie and I I think going in that added that added factor of just not knowing what the movie was and then hearing the seeing the title and then being like, Oh man. Like I was prepared for one thing. Yeah. And one storyline and it just I had no idea where it was going. Like yeah. and I think that just reminded me of a, a where a book can take you versus a movie. I with movies, you know, there's a formula that they typically go through and just you could just tell that this was a book or you can read the tone of the first scene and then be like that's this kind of movie right exactly that's exactly it because like it just took us to so many places and i was like i have no idea what's gonna happen next like there are times (laughs) it's genuinely hilarious there are times where it's shocking there are times where it's sad you know like there are times where it's introspective there are times where it's like fun yes like it's weird like it kind of represents i mean i think that's why it has like such that cold level of uh like darkness over it where like even when it is kind of happy it's still like when you really think about it it just like brings you back down again it's crazy and i think that um what i was mentioning earlier how like i i thought that the movie was still sort of tricking you a little bit is at the end of the movie i still didn't know if jack's character was crazy or not yeah 
I really didn't know. Yeah, I like. <laughs> yeah, it is hard to tell. Um, and I get there is no real answer. I'm after seeing this so many times and reading the book. I do kind of believe that he. He he thought it was going to be an easy way to get out of prison. You know right. what I mean? Like I th- I think he was playing the system. Mm-hmm. But also I don't think that like the story's not necessarily about that. It's more about the system in general and like what he d- provides to the other people as opposed to yes. himself. So what I'll say is at the beginning of this movie when we're introduced to his character and he's coming into the ward and he's having this conversation about like they're they're having like he's trying to the head of the ward is like hey like just so you know you're here because we want to evaluate you and see if you're crazy yeah like, you're talking about the first group therapy scene um no this is the one-on-one in the office oh yeah yeah, yeah yes 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 during that scene alone i was just like i have no idea like this guy yeah. could go either way you know For because sure. he his responses are sort of like elevated in a sense yeah that i'm like i think he's too smart to be crazy yeah you know? yeah, yeah yeah he seems like very so more charming than like yeah you know than, than it could be possible and also what caught me off guard and what confused me is that I know that in these times, like in the 60s, mental wards weren't great places. So I thought that it was strange that the people there were nice and like seemed to be caring about the residents there. Yeah. So I was like, is are they really nice? Like what's going to be uncovered here? Like Uh I was just really thrown off by the whole like how it was presented at first. Yeah. And I like it too because I, you know, it could have been very easy to make it just like the evil ward where everyone's like monstrous. But I think it's more kind of invocative to how these things happen in real life where it's like you get trapped more by like in the mindset mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot more kind of like subtle manipulation than it is just like pure like warden versus prisoner like you know you're right. gonna get hit if you do this like it's not necessarily that it's more mm-hmm. and what i find it interesting is when i listen to an interview with louise fletcher talking about how she played nurse ratchet is like she specifically wanted to play it as somebody who actually thought she was helping Mm. and does, didn't recognize that she, she this kind of like power dynamic was taking her over you know what i mean mm. that like that like she wanted to play someone who at the end of the day went to sleep thinking they were doing the right thing right. and i think that makes it a lot more interesting of a story than if it was just like mean She's old evil. ratchet right yeah and that's one of the main differences in the book and the movie everything in the movie is a little bit nicer like the book is just like it's like cold and fucked up and everybody's a little meaner Mm -hmm. just like like darker things happen to each character like there's definitely a little bit of a gloss of hollywood over this movie but i think the story's so dark that like it kind (laughs) of needed a little bit of gloss like i couldn't i didn't really want to watch how sad like you know just like you know the nurse is meaner the 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 staff is meaner everybody's way more racist like they just gotta like tone stuff down yeah i was surprised by the lack of racism <laughs> oh it's in the book i mean there is some yeah, racism yeah. in this movie but <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's in the book a lot all right <laughs> yeah I'm and not... like just to be there like there's no like point to it like it's more just like you know like oh yeah it was that like you know it was written in the 60s and so like it was just like yeah that's how they talk to the black people mm-hmm. like you know it's just like <laughs> yeah i'm not reading that book because like the movie right still <laughs> takes place not that they ever tell you this but like the movie does take place when the book was written so it is 1962 in the movie not 1975 right so i do think it was this they had a little bit of hindsight like it was 1975 they were probably like like all right let's not like yeah let's not go back for all i know casey might have hated black people like it was 62 was very possible like you know like it's not (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so it's like you know i'm sure mulish foreman was more like "Eh, uh, i don't know But yeah, so yeah, I, I like hearing it from your perspective, of like not knowing where it's gonna go. I've seen this so many times at this point, where like I can't, I can't, you can't even, look at it. I can't watch it like without knowing everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't put myself back in that initial uh, mindset of like what's happening. Right. But yeah, I think uh, 
I mean, we talked about the people in the cast who went to be famous, but even the ones who didn't, like, I think everybody's perfect. In oh, this absolutely. Movie. Um, I even think that I might know. Um, there's this one patient who like can't handle any sort of emotion or decision making. <laughs> the one who cries all the time. Cheslick. Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I know that actor. Yeah, too. I know him too. I just can't think. I just don't think he's like, like as famous like a Christopher Lloyd or a Danny yeah. DeVito. But um, I got to say that first therapy session where, and I'm sorry, I'm going to keep saying Jack Nicholson's character unless you remind me of the character's name. McMurphy. Or Mc call Mac. Call Mac. Mac yeah. All right, I'll call him Mac. Uh, that the first therapy session that he attends, I feel like I'm watching it with him. Like we're, I'm just like sitting in the circle and being like looking at everyone's yeah, responses. Exactly. <laughs> and just like trying to like piece it all together. Yeah, because it's mad entertaining. Like when he laughs because something crazy happens, I'm like, oh, yeah. Snap. And like, you could tell him right away, like he immediately recognizes like the dynamic that Ratchet set up. You mm. know, like that, like he could just tell that she's, you know, asking the wrong questions, but the right questions to prod people and like right. kind of getting them to turn on each other. Yeah. And like, like basically he's seeing the control she has over everyone and no one else has any idea of it. Right. Uh, that's another difference with the book. It's like in the book, it's widely known that nurse ratchet is like evil and everyone hates her. And like, they just talk, Oh, here comes like, they call it like the big nurse or like the devil. Like, you know, like they're just like, Oh, here she comes. Like she's going to do something awful to us. And in the movie, I like it. It's a little bit more like they're almost like naive where mm -hmm. like they don't really get, the games she's playing with them right you know what i mean and it's so interesting where you take a concept like therapy and do it so wrong like if you're gonna have a group therapy session and i'm not a professional by any means but i feel like a group therapy session is to help people navigate the emotions they're dealing with but like that's a common amongst them yeah but she's just prodding them for like personal information that and then asking other people in the group's opinions on that. Yeah. It has nothing to, like, there's no way. And, like, no not way. stepping in when they're, like, digging at each other. Like, yeah, you know, like, they're all just... calling Harding, like, you know, peculiar. <laughs> and that, you know. Like... Right. It's so wrong. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they are smoking is so hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like... that's just how. 1962, eh? Yeah, cigarettes. Um, I want yeah, those I... cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, like, similar to those other movies where I've said I've seen them so many times, I'm going to have a hard time going scene by scene in this. Like, I have more, like, overall concepts I want to talk about. So right. you can bring up kind of, like, like that, like the way you just brought the therapy scene. Right. But, yeah, I can't. I don't think I... I this movie's just so no. out there that I can't go, like, and then Jack Nicholson finds out, you know, like... No, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying, like, that stuck out to, yeah. to me. Because, like, things that I've noticed, um, and, like, this time around, too, is... I love how M McMurphy shows up and he's wearing his own street clothes. Mm -hmm. And in those early scenes, he's wearing his green shirt and his jeans and his cigarettes and the thing. And then slowly throughout the movie as he's kind of like succumbing to the fact that like he's not going to win this and like he's kind of stuck here. Like first he'll, he'll put just the pants on and then he has like the, the white jacket, the mm -hmm. white sh shirt over his green shirt. And then by the very end, he's just head to toe in the white, like, right. uh, I was going to say prison garb, but, you know, mental institution uniform. Absolutely. And it's just very cool to watch him break down, like, from his colorful himself down to, like, this pale white, like, nothing, you know? Right, yeah. I think that this mental institution really was messed up in that, because as soon as he entered the ward and they were like, we're going to just observe you... My feeling was they're freaking messed up because he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. He's not going to be able to leave, but they're making him believe that he has the power to leave whenever he wants. Like yeah. I, I picked that up from the beginning, and I think it was really messed up for them to like 
let him think that he had all this freedom like letting him uh, well i i don't know i think it was pretty it was pretty established up front where he sorry. said like we're gonna find out if you're actually sick or we're gonna send you back to the work farm right so like i don't know if they let him think that he can leave whenever he wants i think it was more like because they weren't they were distrusting right from the beginning of being like like the way I look at McMurphy, like he's very much a con man and tries to like get it. I mm -hmm. I could just see him sitting there doing backbreaking labor in the real prison and being like, looking out the window at the loony bin and being like, look at those guys, they're playing Monopoly and fucking cards. I bet oh. that's, I bet that's an easy way to write out your sentence. Uh huh. You know, so I don't I don't know if I quite co-sign that. Where like, granted, nobody told him that it doesn't work the same way as the prison, where it's like if you have sixty days left in prison, you have sixty days in the mental ward. Uh huh. Like nobody tells him that. But, yeah, I don't know about that whole, like... I don't know. I just feel like he was given a false representation about what his true freedoms were. Because I feel like he always pushed... That's his character, right? He always pushes his limits. Yeah. But he didn't realize the consequences of pushing his limits in the place he was in. Yeah. But they, like, let him continue oh, to yeah, push. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I don't know. I just feel like there was, like, a little, like, misrepresentation there. But that wasn't, like, their... F it wasn't anyone's fault. Yeah. But mm, they let him push it a little. I don't know. Yeah, they could have <laughs> gave it to him in the rundown. You yeah, know, exactly. The first, like, that first thing. meeting. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, these are the rules here. Yeah. And if you break them, these are the consequences. <laughs> but know. the rules he would push, like... He's the kind of character and the kind of person I stay away from. <laughs> like, just he embodies just everything I just don't want to be around. <laughs> That's really funny. Like, what kind of stuff? Like the the pushing like limits of authority. The like I don't know. Just the the challenging. Every, he's just challenging everything left and right. Sometimes rightfully so. But yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like an older kid coming like a, a bad older kid with an attitude problem coming with the younger kids and kind of like showing them how to like manipulate things yeah because that's how i kind of saw the other patients in this ward as children they were very children yeah, like, yeah. And very like innocent in a he, way. they were like kindergartners he was like a second grader right <laughs> you know like he, he's still a kid but like what what surprised me is usually when i go back and watch movies that i loved as a teenager i always get surprised at how young the characters are like, when you're a kid, everyone seems like an adult. Yeah. And then you'll watch a movie, and you'll be like, that motherfucker was 24. Like, you know, like, like that's crazy. Like, I look at 24-year-olds now as, like, children. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, I was surprised that it was the opposite, where I was like, 38 seems pretty old to be acting like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To, like, especially, like, in the 60s, like, like I could see why <laughs> you're in jail, you know? Like, it's just like, I could, you know, and it, it was a time when everyone conformed. Like, that's kind of... What I like about the story, it also kind of represents just like the changing in tides of like Nurse Ratchet is very old school and very traditional and like follow the rules and do this and do that. And then clearly it's not working, especially not in the mental health unit. And then Jack Nicholson's coming in with this crazy, you know, and I'm not saying he's right either all the time, but right. he's unlocking something that wasn't there before. Right. This sense of independence and thinking, you know, and like. Yeah. And, and having and, a change in routine. And <laughs> just, like, talking to these people like they're regular. Like, he never... You know, right. he'll call them crazy and stuff, but he's, like, busting their balls. Like, he always just treats them like he, there was his group of friends. You mm -hmm. know, he never treats them like they're, like, a group of idiots, you know? Right. like Even, like, giving Cheswick the wheel to the ship, like, after three seconds. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, you wouldn't do that if you actually were, like, yo, these guys are morons and I need... To, you know, yeah. he was just like, no, you're here. Like... He th like he treats them like the only reason they can't do anything is because society doesn't give them a chance. Right, and because they won't 
even take the chance yeah, to. And, and they have no, yeah, they don't have any yeah. courage inside of them. This yeah. is what I mean by like, I don't want to go beat by beat on oh, this movie. Absolutely. I have more like the overall concepts I love yeah. to talk about. No, I love that because like even talking to Chief and I kind of want to know his real his character's name because I feel weird calling him Chief. Oh, it's Chief. Oh, it is Chief? Yeah, it's oh. Chief Bromden. All right, cool. <laughs> um, Like even talking to him and as a normal person too like yeah it was just like nice yeah like even like the when he's trying to teach him how to play basketball and the orderly yeah. is like he can't hear you none and he was like he's like i'm not talking to him, i'm talking to myself and he's like well, it's not helping him he's like well, it's not hurting him is it <laughs> like, you know yeah and little did he know it was helping him like dude, that's that first scene when he gets chief to play basketball and then that <laughs> like first chief walks across the court but then when he's skipping with that smile on his face oh <laughs> i love it i love the scenes when like he riles up the like everybody in such a good way yeah. like the baseball scene like i just it's so like nice yeah. i just i like what you were saying where you would leave the classroom when you watch this in high school and just leave on a happy moment like that must have been so nice like those moments i was like oh i don't want this to he- end because i know it's gonna be super depressing yeah. in like 10 minutes <laughs> that's very true it's very true oh can we just talk what are these other roles that jack nicholson has played I mean, The Shining is probably one of the his most Shining. famous. The Shining. I've seen The Shining. Eh, I don't think you have. We watched The Shining no, together. I've never seen oh, The Shining. I watched it somewhere. You, you, It was on and you were in the room. You okay. didn't watch The Shining. <laughs> I know you for a fact. You watched The Shining. <laughs> all right. All right. I was about to be like, tell me two things about The Shining besides Jack Nicholson's in it. And it's based on Stephen King. And the twins in the hallway. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know what you saw you saw ready player one with me when they had that extended shining uh, sequence and you were like i think i got it <laughs> anyway but yeah all that to say is jack has great crazy eyes yeah um and i wrote down i'm scared of the nurse <laughs> you should be yeah let's talk about ratchet for a little bit yeah so i think ratchet's one of the all-time film villains of all time uh, like i just i i just think there's so much nuance and subtlety to what like she's doing and what mm. louise fletcher brings to it where it's like i, I watch this movie over and over and over again and kind of how i have my theories on how mcmurphy ticks i still don't really know how nurse ratchet ticks and if it wasn't for louise fletcher in that interview saying that she wanted to play her unsympathetic yet human like that was the best clue i ever got to what makes her tick because i think the movie plays it so good where like i don't know like i don't know if she's like like, when things go wrong, I don't know if she secretly likes it because she gets to punish them or if it's really driving her crazy because she thinks she is actually helping, but she's mm-hmm. doing all the wrong things. Like, I don't know how bad she is. You know what I mean? Right. And I think it's awesome. Thinking about it now and knowing the role of women in these times, it's very rare for a woman to have that much power. Yeah. In my head, maybe she just loved that because like that's the power power that not women don't really get to experience in this time for sure and there's a scene where um murphy is on like sort of like that second floor where he gets electrocuted yeah and but there's a scene where like the warden comes walks in the hallway and all of the patients kind of like scramble yeah so they're out of his sight and once he's out of sight they come back in and I feel like she's sort of seeking that power where people are scared of her mm. in a weird, like, subconscious way. Because when we first see her in the movie, she walks in and everyone's, like, greeting her and, like, saying, hi, good morning, Miss Ratchet." Yeah, and she's, yeah. like, all dressed in black and she just has this, like, way about her that she walks in, like, has this, like, presence in a room. Yeah. I just feel like that's what she's, like, going for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. 
and that was crazy where everyone like disappeared like i was like what did he do yeah yeah. you know to make them scared of him that yeah, way yeah yeah that is pretty cool <laughs> That's pretty wild. Um, and yeah, because like her, like putting her side by side with that freaking s- scrawny, I'm scared to say a word nurse. Yeah. I was w- just like, these ladies are not on the same. No, that <laughs> nurse has always just looked like she was just so ready. To, like she looked like she secretly liked it when like McMurphy s- dug into Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, props to the uh, hair, makeup the whole team, whoever designed it, but they designed her hair to kind of look like devil horns. I, uh, yes, yeah. that's what I thought. <laughs> like, so it's like, it, you really see it, you know, spoilers, I'm no spoiler yet, but at the end you really kind of see it. Like, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, what's this lady's story? <laughs> like, I think knowing... This, this movie and probably the book does such a great job in that I want to know everything about Miss Ratchet's life before f- before this and everything about Murphy's life before this. Yeah, yeah. You know? McMurphy. McMurphy. <laughs> Murphy. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're introduced to, like, two people from his life before this, I'm like, how the... How the hell did they meet? What's their relationship dynamic? <laughs> you know, yeah. like these two women who will just sleep around yep. with anyone? <laughs> I, I don't know. I assume they may, might be like prostitutes that he just like. I can see like, he's the kind of guy who like makes relationships with prostitutes. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. like, like just parties with them. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised. Like yeah. that's, that's my guess. Okay. Um, because I thought he was like into her and then he lets her sleep around you know like i just he's like the definition of like the changing of all like american traditions like he's just (laughs) like like he's that like degenerate that they don't i mean he even says in the beginning like i mean he gets locked up really for statutory rape but his first answer of why he got locked up he said i suppose it's because i fight and i fuck too much and Mm -hmm. you know like he's just like he's not what nice society deems should be around you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so like that's why i wouldn't be shocked if he hung around brothels and, you know, had relationships with, with women of the night. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't... Or at least like-minded, kind of, like, free radical 60s-type girls. Like, remember, 60s was the era That's of, true. you know, free love and free... Like, you know, there was a certain subsect of the country that, you uh-huh. know, was just fucking around. Like, you know, there was no AIDS. Like, there was, you know, like, there was just, like, you know... Yeah. Worst thing that happened is the uh, dick got a little warm, you know? like, <laughs> Right. It was a lot different back then. <laughs> But yeah, I agree with you too. Where they the the subtext like opens up so much, where you just want to find out like everything about these people. Yeah. So this movie has those high highs and like just those low lows. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. One other thing I got to tip my hat off just to the filmmakers and listen to Milos Forman talk about how he wanted to make this was he purposely filmed like extra reaction shots out of everybody. Uh-huh. And if you notice during the group therapy scenes, there's always like. Sometimes it'll cut to three, four reactions to something like like during someone else's dialogue, mm-hmm. and he 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 thought that up as a way where he found that ensemble films you often lose characters in the bunch, like you know like you'll have an ensemble movie but you'll only really remember two or three people, right. and so that was his way of incorporating characters in without actually having to like alter the story or write new <laughs> dialogue or waste extra time. Yeah. So like just by seeing how Tabor or Seifert or or Scanlan like looks at so- like look like reacts to something that happens mm-hmm. now they're part of the scene and like actually contributing to the emotions of it because you're like oh well he's upset like why is he you know what I mean right and I thought that was like brilliant the way wow. he did that and then the other thing I liked that he said too is that when casting 
he said he hated when he would watch American movies that had a lot of huge casts and it would, everybody would just like kind of be the same kind of white guy like in the same kind of outfit <laughs> and he would like he'd be like yeah you'd be like you'd meet all these characters and then they'd leave the movie for 40 minutes and then come back and I gotta be like is that her brother is that her cousin like who the fuck like did I meet him already he's like everyone looks the same That's and funny. so he's like when I cast he's like I wanted each of these people's faces to be one that you don't forget who they are mm. so even if you don't memorize their names and like you know, who looks like Vincent Chiavelli oh, who yeah. looks like Danny DeVito like who looks like uh billy like every single <laughs> one of them you would never think they were another one of them like yeah. i think that and that's hard to do with like eight nine cast movie you know what i mean oh yeah like you know i complain about it all the time where i'll be like i'd be like oh is that a new character and you'll be like no that's his wife like someone she changed her <laughs> hair and her thing and i'd be like they got to get someone who doesn't have the same size <laughs> like whose hair isn't the same size you know what i mean like get someone yep. who looks different like absolutely so it's I, really not that hard i gotta commend them because yeah you can't you can't forget these guys and oh, like yeah. even there's ones whose names i never memorized and like but like you know there's that other short one the one who's not danny devito but like yeah like I, him like yeah. who looks like that guy you no know way. yeah who looks like that guy dancing all the time yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I even the the side characters they cast like people in the background. Yeah. What was that that sergeant guy with the American flag oh, in yeah, the wheelchair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a question for you. Yeah. There's a moment where Nurse Ratchet basically was telling McMurphy that there are some patients here that are here voluntarily. Yes. Was that true, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I guess, never thought of people voluntarily um, signing themselves up to stay in institutions uh, like these. I think of when it's 1962 and it's either that or like, like you're not you're not going to get a chance to do much, you know, in life. Mm. Like if, if, you know, it's, it's not like today where there's programs to hire you or groups or like, it's just like, you know, if, if, if Cheswick went out there and tried to get a job, there's not a single person in the world who would hire him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he's just insane. So I actually, I believe it. And I, I think it actually makes the story even stronger because the whole story is about like mental, I'm using the word enslavement because I can't think of anything better, but like, like breaking people down mentally to make it, making them think that they have no options mm. as opposed to a prison movie where it's, there's actual iron bars holding you inside. Right. Like this, this is more about like they're forgotten by society and then they're also beat down in here. Mm -hmm. Like the way Chief says, they're, they're getting work done. Right. Like everybody's working on them and eventually you just can't take getting work done anymore. And like mm. that's what happened to his father and like that's what's happening to these guys and what's happening to McMurphy. So yeah. I think it makes the story much stronger that the majority of them actually can live leave but they just feel like they have no other options right even though this is clearly not a healthy place for them to be now do you think that i mean that's what this whole movie is commenting on right like no matter how sane you are will it eventually make you crazy yeah and it's fucking crazy too that you said that because when they made the movie they shot it this is a real mental hospital like this wasn't a set like they just mm. shot in a real mental hospital they had like a, a multi-week rehearsal period where the cast would go and spend half the day rehearsing, but then the other half of the day, they would just live in the ward. And the doctors assigned each actor a patient who was close enough to their character, mm. and they would just spend the day sitting in on their group therapy, sitting in on their electroshock therapy, like sitting in Jesus. on everything. And then they would sleep in the ward at night. So like they all like lived there and this and that. Wow. And uh, some of the actors did talk about, like especially Vincent Chiavelli, he's like, he's like, well, first he said, I just thought it was interesting, was he's like, we all played the kind of crazy we would be if we were crazy. 
Mm. So he's like, so it wasn't acting in a sense where you got to sign something. He's like, he's like, we thought about ourselves and then said like, if, if, if a couple of things were different, like how, what kind of crazy person would we be? And that's what we put into <laughs> our characters. Wow. So he's like, it felt very real in that sense. And, and yeah, you just like, you did feel a little, you felt a little crazy when it was over. Like you started, the lines started to get blurred of who you were. Oh. All the actors, uh, Jack Nicholson didn't, but all the other actors stayed in character all day, every day. So, like, you know, Danny DeVito would walk around as Martini and shit. Oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> and Danny DeVito actually said he went and talked to one of the doctors that was on the thing because he said he, was, he wasn't he was married to Rhea Perlman yet, but they were dating. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was missing her so bad and, like, kind of going crazy because they were, they were, like, in another country for, for months. And uh, he said at night he started talking – he started having – conversations with an imaginary friend and basically like saying the stuff that he would say to her if they had the chance to talk on the phone like he would talk it out as you know and then like after three days he like went to the doctor and he's like hey and he told him what he's doing he's like should i be worried about this (laughs) and then the guy's like well you know it's imaginary right and he's like oh 100 he's like yeah this you know you don't think at all this is real like no and he's like all right as long as you're still there you're good (laughs) like he's like the second you can't tell that it's imaginary then it's so close it's such (laughs) a thin line but um but yeah so i think that's why i think you just said nailed it on the head where you were like like it's it's that thin line between who's considered sane and who isn't. And then like how do you fix that? Like how do you make an en- an institution where the institution shouldn't be making you crazy. It should be doing the opposite or like yeah. at least sustaining you and yeah. keeping you sane. Like by all accounts like there's nothing re- like chief is in there for being deaf and dumb, like not mm-hmm. for like it's only because he's not responding to people. It's not because like there's actually something like a pinpoint that's wrong with him. Right. They're just like, well, here's a big idiot who doesn't talk. Put him in there, you know. And yeah. like, and I'm sure there's tons of you know, I'm sure racism where there's like, yeah, fuck him. Like, put him in there. You right. Know? Yeah. Like, there's even a line in the movie where they're like, so having wanting to have independent time is wrong. Like, yeah. how does that make sense? Wanting to spend time alone. Right. Know? Like, it shouldn't be that. Yeah. I think it's a lot of it's. I mean, there's a lot of things this movie's saying, but I think the one of the biggest for me is like. Being willing to break tradition when you notice something isn't working. Mm. So it's not throwing tradition out. It's not saying like all of this is garbage. It's just right. like Nurse Ratchet is doing things the way she was taught to do them, mm-hmm. even without recognizing the bad. You know, like she's not she's not open minded at all when it comes to mental health. Like it's like it's like no, this is the way. Like after after breakfast, we lock your doors and you sit in here and you guys talk to each other because that's healthy. And it's like yeah, but what if I hate that motherfucker's guts and I need five minutes? To, you know, like yeah, like the, it should be it should be more individualized and not not kind of grouped like that yep so yeah i found it oh so good but about this guy yeah will sampson he's the one who plays chief like Mm -hmm. so they almost said they said like they almost had to change the character because casting him was so hard because native americans don't really aren't really that big like he's mixed like he's half white but uh like you know just in general like there's just not they're not a tall people (laughs) you know like like that like not 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 giant tall like the way the book describes him is what he looks like in this movie like they nailed it and, uh, and he was not in the no, WWE. No, he wasn't even an actor. He was, uh, oh, wow. he was a park ranger. Like what? they just, they just found him. Like they, they were just looking all across the entire country to just find big Indians. <laughs> you know, like they were like, we just need big Indians. And then uh, it was like they knew. I forget the whole story, but like they knew a guy who he had a relationship with the Indian community in his town because of something with his father. And basically, he was a used car salesman, and he. All the Indians went to him to buy used cars because they didn't trust any other, like, they didn't trust other white people. But, like, uh, he had it in. It was something like his dad helped them. I don't know. It was, like, right. something like that. So, they basically, the movie was called that guy and was like, listen, like, if you see a big fucking <laughs> Indian, call us. Jesus. And he called and he was like, you're not going to believe how big this guy is. And then they brought it in. And then, but what's nuts to me is, like, motherfucker can act. 
Yes. Like it's not like it's not one of those things where you're just like, oh, I get it. He's there for the size. Like I was like, I'm surprised this guy isn't an actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, anyway, I want to just roll that into. I know we're not going plot through the plot really, but there's a big part of this movie that I think stinks if it's ruined. So we're we have not been saying it, but I want to go into spoilers so we can fully dissect this bad boy. Let's do it. So yeah, the biggest I think the biggest twist this movie has uh, to offer us is when. Uh, McMurphy, Chief, and Cheswick all get taken up for electroshock therapy. Oh. And McMurphy hands Chief a piece of gum and gets responded with, Thank you. <laughs> and then, juicy fruit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best product placement. So yeah, Chief could talk the entire film. He can hear everything. He's not an idiot. He's just mm. playing everyone else for an idiot. Yeah. Because he knows he probably just gets left alone more and can learn more, you know, by being... Yeah. yeah so what was that like for you oh that was great i kind of like got a I, I i didn't know that he could talk but i knew that he could understand well i mean the basketball thing kind of proved yeah. he could understand a little bit exactly but like i just yeah that was a happy moment well they for said me. he was deaf and dumb but just because you're deaf doesn't mean you can't like that's true. like he was doing yeah. like hand gestures like basket up you know so like yeah i think actually yeah yeah <laughs> but I, I i love this moment too this was again one of those highs where i was like oh man yeah not knowing what the next scene was going to that be that i specifically <laughs> remember being in class and all of us freaking out because like it was like day three at this point so like you know it feels like the movie's longer because we're watching mm. it for 35 minutes and then going home and yep <laughs> but like i remember we were all like chief can talk no fucking way <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's um, great. Juicy Fruit got him to talk. Yeah, that's what I meant by um, when I was saying he's such a good actor because when he gives that speech like about his father and all that mm. and like when he's sad at the end, like it's just like, I was like, I fucking 100% buy it. Like, right. Well, and I kind of, he, it was a, like, a little bit mumbly, but basically the idea of that speech was that basically the alcohol like took over his dad, right? Yeah, like he doesn't give, he doesn't go into details, but he basically says... Everybody worked on my dad until he turned to the bottle. And mm -hmm. then, you know, and then he says that horrifying line of like, eventually every time he put the bottle to the lips, he wasn't sucking out of it. It was sucking out of him. Right, right. And, uh, and then that's when Jack or M Murphy goes like, oh, they killed him. And he goes, no, I never said they killed him. They're working on him. Same way they're working on you right now. Right. And so like, he's, he says vague, but like, I imagine it's just like society, they're the government, slowly. like the people in his neighborhood. Like, you know, like it's, yeah. it sucked. Like, you know, like... They're not even one generation away from the mass murder of his people, let alone, like, the respect. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, like they still arguably don't get respect. So it's like, yeah. like, I just can't imagine. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. But then, all right, so this is now I wanted to bring up the main thing that I wanted to, that I've been kind of holding back from you. Oh, here we um, go. That I think makes the story interesting when you read it. So in the store, in the book, McMurphy is a side character and Chief is the main character of the book. That makes way more sense. Yeah. So the whole book, there's no there's no secret about him not being deaf and dumb. Like he tells you on the first page, like he's like, Oh, I'm fucking with all these people. Oh. And the whole thing is told from his perspective. So you see Wait, him. the book is told from his perspective? Yeah, he's the main character. Like it's he's the narrator. Wow. Like you, you learn everything about Chief. And so you see him from, he describes the ward, and then you see him from the first day McMurphy comes in and the way he disrupts stuff. And so the order of the events are almost exactly the same. Some things have been changed. But what makes it cool and why I think it's totally worth reading, even no matter how much you love this movie, you get in a completely different perspective on all the events. And, like, Chief is incredibly smart, incredibly introspective, and, like, like so you learn about his father, his parents, like, where he came from, like, everything about, like, how he got there and what he's thinking. And it makes more sense, too, because, like, McMurphy is more of, like, a crazy, like, lightning ball, you know? So, like, it's kind of like you're seeing how he affects 
the world that this guy already lives in. Mm. So it's fucking wild. You know, it's so funny. You, s- I'm so happy that that's re- the truth because at the end of this movie, I'm like, wait, so this was Chief's movie? Like, <laughs> you know, like, it just threw me off. I was like, wait, a- that's not... <laughs> no, well, I don't think so. I think it still works no matter what because it's not... I don't think it's such a thing as Chief's movie. I think it's a Patience movie because I think they purposely show Tabor and the rest of them excited for Chief. Right. So it's like McMurphy's lessons actually stuck. Yeah. As opposed to like nothing that he did changed anything. Yeah. So I I, I got I you know <laughs> and plus like once we get to the point where Chief talks, he becomes a pretty big part of the story. Like him McMurphy are gonna escape together. Like you know like they're like you know. <sighs> this is why this is why you hear me sighing in this podcast because. <laughs> What I hated most was the night, and you know the night that I'm talking the about. Party if you watch this movie, yep. the party night where McMurphy was supposed to escape, but for some reason, he does not. <laughs> well, it's because he he wanted to do one final thing for Billy. Okay, listen. Yeah, I understand that, but then yeah. you leave. The window's wide, freaking open. Listen, when you're that drunk. I know. Okay, but you ever seen me fall asleep <laughs> constantly? You know those dreams that you have, those nightmares where you try and move or run and yeah. you just can't get to that? That was that was embodied in a scene. Yeah, yeah. Like this whole night was that and I hated it so much. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. not only like did they not leave but just made it the worst possible night ever. Like I was like, oh, he's got this in the bag. Like he's bribing the night guy. Yeah. Um, he's giving him a little lady friend, which... <laughs> like the first of all the depiction of women in this movie is not great oh yeah no <laughs> ken casey doesn't care for women that much <laughs> oh okay ken yeah. casey does yeah 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 oh no, wow. not really. i mean you could tell by the writing of like it's a lot of this movie is fighting back against like the demasculization of men like you know it's a lot of like the like oh like oh you guys are letting her like the, like you know like it's all about like your men and this one woman is like tearing you down you know it's like uh, it's, that, it's, there's that kind of subtext in there for sure that's interesting yeah, yeah but- he'd be on uh He'd be on the Ben Shapiro podcast in 2022 if he was <laughs> oh, still alive. Jeez. Um, <laughs> but then, like, I was like, okay, like they've got it. It's a little, uh, but you know, I'm I'm coming along for the party. And then they just it just turns into chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I don't I'm not gonna go through the scene, but like we can. Well, first of all, how fucking awesome is Scatman Carruthers in this scene? He's so he plays the night. The He's Nightman. great. I uh. mean. I a little Scat problematic, Man. but he's great. Hey, come on, he's Scat Man. <laughs> he's the best. He's got a great smile. He goes on. Uh, he's also in The Shining with Jack Nicholson. Oh. And uh, yeah, he's just fucking great. <laughs> come on, man. This is my job, man. This is my <laughs> livelihood. <laughs> I felt that. But yeah, he was uh, he was a musician for years, and then became an actor at the end of his life. Oh. Just to like be in a couple fun things. That's cool. I liked but him. He's the reason why. Uh, Jack Nicholson swore he would never work with Kubrick again because after the show, because Kubrick's known for just being like a monster in terms of like do 30 million takes and we're doing it again and again, you know, like that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And so when they made The Shining, like at that point, it was five years after this. So Scatman was like 82 or something. Like he was so old. Like he was like 75 in this. Uh-huh. And uh, like Kubrick was just making him like walk through the snow, like just do take after take after take. And he was like this old, feeble man. Oh. And Jack was just like, I can't. This guy's a fucking asshole. Like, oh, wow. Because he was already friends with him, too. Like, let alone if he was a friend, but he's just like, I can't. Like, I don't care how good this movie's going to turn out. I'll never work with this guy again. Interesting. Like, and he never did. Wow. <laughs> Didn't know that. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, but I love, yeah, there's just so many little funny lies. Like, when they're hiding from the one nurse, and then, like, they're like, 
you know, the, the nurse is like, Mr. Turkle? Mr. Turkle? And they're like, where's Turkle? We gotta get out of here. And then Jack Murphy's like, he's probably jerking off somewhere. And he's like, I ain't jerking off nowhere, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he's quiet the whole time, yeah. but then that line gets him to... <laughs> oh, yeah, when he's hiding in the room with them, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> he was just so scared, he didn't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, I would be too shit if like, he's like, am I gonna get lynched for this? Like, you know, I'm in here with a white woman? Like, no. <laughs> you know, it's like... There was definitely an extra layer of black fear for me watching yeah. this movie. Oh, yeah, I mean, every single orderly was black. Like, there was like, there was any black people outside of... Uh... Yeah. But then I like that they even wrote it where they, they kind of enjoyed the power, too. Like, because mm. I imagine everywhere they go, they're the victims of whatever's happening. So, like, when they're in the ward, they can yeah. kind of, like, bully these these oh, crazy yeah. people a little they're bit. They're like, oh, basketball. You know, yeah. like, that's why they got so mad at yeah. the game that they were losing. Well, they technically cheated, but yeah. whatever. It was for chief. But, uh, yeah, just the hiding in the room, uh, messing up the office. Like, they tore it up <laughs> in there. That was insane. I know, but watching all these guys have a, have a night like that, it yeah, they kind of needed it. Like, you know what I, I mean? I was like, maybe they should just give a, throw a couple shots out there once in a while <laughs> of Smirnoff yeah, or whatever. Right? But, yo, that morning when Ratchet comes back, I remember you uh, You thought they escaped and then it cuts to Jack just <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> I was so... What I love, though, is I had his kind of mentality, too, where, like, the way he nonchalantly walked over to the window to unlock it when he was going to escape, mm-hmm. I felt kind of on where he was, where, like, once he knew he had Chief on his side, really nobody could stop him from walking out that door. Like, these people didn't have guns. They don't have tasers. They, like, there's just, like, three dudes with nightsticks, and Chief could, like easily stop any of those guys like you know what i mean i just thought like that's yeah. why like when he was just like not worried that he overslept like that's how i felt where he's like well i got chief with me if any of these fuckers come over here he's just gonna scare the fuck out of them my thing was this was all preventable and he wouldn't even have to be in this yeah, situation. yeah yeah and you could have figured out what key it was last night i i know but I th- something <laughs> broke in his heart man when he found out that like when he found that every most people were there voluntarily, but like Billy with being like, well, he was like 22, you know, yeah. and he's like, he's like, he literally is like, I'm watching you throw away your youth. Like, you're supposed to be having the best time, he, like, mm-hmm. you know, and like, so it's just like, I think he was just, he had a lot more sympathy to him than he like showed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is also different in the book. Um, he's a lot more of like an, like, like I said, everything's nicer. Billy is? No, uh, McMurphy. Oh, like, okay, okay. like everything is nicer in the, in the movie, like, including McMurphy. Like, he's all, he's way more of a con man. Uh. Like, the, like the fishing trip, like he still takes them in the book, but like he finds a way to like get money out of all the guys. Like, he, like, you know, like he, he, he does technically do that in the movie. Yeah, but he does, like, a lot worse. Like, he's, like... It's more like he he's, like, oh, I have a group of suckers I can make money off of, and then he accidentally, like, becomes friends with them. I see. As opposed to in the movie where he kind of, like, right away kind of wants to help these guys. I see. You know what I mean? Like, he's... It's just a lot... It's a lot more Hollywood in the movie, which is funny because the movie's dark as fuck. Right. But the book is just, like... It, like, beats you down, like... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even though it was, like, a hot mess, I did enjoy the fact that, like, everyone was having fun and having a few drinks. Um, But, yeah, that just, that morning after where Miss Ratchet comes and the morning staff is coming in, that just, my heart sank. And I gotta gotta give it to Brad Dourif's acting as Billy Bibbit. Like, when he first Mm. comes out, like, he comes out, like, you can watch the emotions go on his face. Like, he's so scared that everybody starts clapping for him and, 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 like, and, like, and he gets that confidence and his stutter, like, doesn't fully go away, but it goes away, like, 60%. Yeah. And then once Nurse Ratchet says, I'm gonna call your mom, he immediately starts looking down at the ground, he can't speak again. I hated her in that moment It was so, so like, Yeah. That's some great acting. 
Yeah, like as much as like hating Nurse Ratchet, like you hate her so much, and as tragic as this is, so I mean, we find out what happens is at the prospect of his mom finding out, Billy mm. goes into a room and kills himself. Yeah, and I'm I like, wasn't expecting. I'm like, at least Nurse Ratchet had to fucking tell his mom, like you know, like at least something bad happened to her. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly that. Um, but uh, oh, it just—it feels so good to watch McMurphy choker for a little oh, bit. Oh, it really does. <laughs> so, you're like finally, like <laughs> get it. Like she has no power. Like she's gonna get choked right now. <laughs> I really thought she was gonna die, and I was like, that would be justice, <laughs> you know. So the end, end, which we'll talk about in a second, is the exact same in the book. But what I find interesting uh, about the book is that, and I, th- I almost think this might have worked a little bit more is. To signify, actually, no, I, I take the, I take back that it works better. But what makes it different in the book is that after that act, almost the entire ward gets the courage to like sign themselves out. Oh, so like after McMurphy does that, like his lessons actually got most of them to be like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And then when he, when when the end happens, it's only like the people who are institutionalized, like Chief, and a couple of them still in there. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, and like the the whole tone of the ward has changed. And when Nurse Ratchet comes back, he damaged her vocal cords so much that she can't talk for like two months. Uh-huh. And it like basically takes all her power away because everything is all her power is in her words. Uh-huh. And so like by McMurphy like silencing her, it actually like essentially kills her. Wow. You know, as opposed to in the movie where it's almost just like a funny shot of her and like a neck brace and you're like, oh, she's okay. That you know? that for me actually like gives more of a conclusion from like the Ward story perspective. Yeah. But I do, I think, I think we still get the same thing because we'll just go through it for the people who haven't seen it. When we cut back to the Ward after McMurphy chokes her, we find out that he's taken on kind of like a mythical status where people are like, oh, I heard he escaped. I heard he did mm-hmm. this. And which I kind of like because it's kind of like, even though they haven't, they didn't full on sign themselves out. Like the spirit of what he was doing is so strong that now he's become like a ledge, like a myth. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like I was like a Batman, you know, like, oh, I heard he went up there and beat <laughs> up two guards and jumped out the window and escaped, you know? Yeah. When in reality, the sad truth is they cut out a piece of his brain. They gave him a lobotomy, uh, which is just insane. Like, <sighs> and then when he comes back and like the scene is so much more horrifying because that first time when he gets the electroshock therapy, he comes back pretending like he's lobotomized. Yes, yes. And then everyone's sad and then he goes, ah, I'm just kidding, you fuckers, it's me. And like, you, I know every time I watch it, like I want him to, I want him to snap out That's of it and exactly. be like, you d- big dumb fucking idiot chief, let's get out of here, you son of a bitch, you know? Yeah. And like, it doesn't happen. Like, yeah. Jack Nicholson plays it so, and they put that scar on his head. Oh, God. It was just brutal. It's just, yeah, it reminds you that like, once you take away, you know, a piece of someone like they literally took away a piece of him it's just like a shell i know and then i mean it's the most compassionate mercy kill in cinema history i think chief had to kill him like because that's not mcmurphy like he wouldn't want that he wouldn't want to just be like you know that's the last thing he would want is to just be a stale vegetable who can't think for himself yeah but what makes it so much harder to watch is like the way he struggles when he's dying because it reminds you that he's still alive yes like if he just stayed completely still then he'd be like well he was already passed but like no like He's in there. It's like, get out, you know? Like, it's like being in the sunken place. Like, it's like you're just like, some part of you's in there, but you have no power to, like, do or talk or or express yourself. Exactly. And that's what made it really hard. Yeah, yeah, I I agree 100%. And that's why when you said get out was funny, I was like, I don't really know what you're talking about. I was like, it's fucking horrifying, the idea of the sunken place. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then so, but then, I don't know, man, I always... I always feel good in this last moment, though. Like, as fucked up as the movie is, to watch Chief lift that water basin that that Mm. McMurphy already tried. Like, that was his first form. We skipped so many scenes, but, like, 
that was that was one of the first times like before that McMurphy is just like I'm crazy I like to gamble I like to have fun but then when he tries to lift that water basin out mm. like even though he knew in his heart he couldn't and then he just goes like well I tried at mm, least I could say I tried like everyone was just like you know like if he's trying that hard and we can walk out of here whenever we want like you know, it's like right. when, Ch- when Chief says, like, you know, you're much bigger than me. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you're a tree trunk. And he goes, you know what I mean? Like, yes. you know, like, it's it's about how you feel inside and not, like, how physically big or small you are. Yeah. Which is why Nurse Ratchet is the scariest, most powerful one. Meanwhile, any one of these guys could break her face with their fist if they really did. You know, like, right. it, it has nothing to do with physical prowess. Um, but, it- yeah, when he breaks through and escapes and Tabor is cheering, like, to me, that signifies, like, they're going to be okay. Like, they... Mm. They've, like, he didn't die in vain. Right. Like Murphy, it, yes. Yes, he didn't just come here just to rile things up, die, and everything's back to normal. So even though the in the book it makes a little more sense where, like, everybody kind of gets inspired originally, I still think that happens just later and we don't see it. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. If Chief didn't leave, I would actually feel like he did die in vain because once his presence was no longer in that ward, you could see that they kind of went yeah. back to normal and back to their own routine. So... That's what made it for me. Yeah, um, but know. then, I, but from their perspective, like they don't know. In the book, too, Chief tells everyone he can talk and like he hangs out with everybody. But I think mm. it's stronger in the movie where they all still think he's deaf and dumb. And then, like, so I see it as them looking at him being like, if this guy who can't hear or understand things learned that from McMurphy, like mm. we should have learned it too. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, it, it, like that's what make, and that's a good way to make Chief a central character without making him a central character yeah. and keeping that surprise. But I didn't want to say it up top, but it was changing uh, Chief uh, is, is why Ken Casey left the movie and refused to watch it. Was making, by not making Chief the main character. Oh, like, I he see, just thought I it was. see. And I get it too. Like I could see him getting mad because he thinks the whole system's bullshit. And well, I, and it's kind of like, in his perspective, I could see it's like they whitewashed my movie. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's no way in the 70s they were going to be like, listen, we can't, we can't do it. Like it's <laughs> not going to, no one's going to see it. Yeah. We need a white guy to lead this thing. <laughs> But yeah, just you super understand Hollywood. Super interesting. <laughs> Jeez. Anything else before best crushing? <laughs> I'm so depressed. All right, no, we can. I, I'm I'm down to dive into best worst. All right, cool. So uh, let's cry our way into best worst. <laughs> best worst member of the ward, and I'm talking like not not the people in the back, like like the the guys who talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, my best is chief. Ah, nice. That's that's gonna be my best. Chief is my best too. I mean, he is the best <laughs> character. But I had to go just for the fun of talking about it. Uh, second best goes to Martini, Danny DeVito. Just like oh. he's the best to watch. Like I love <laughs> everything. He like every time he talks, every time he's doing it's like when he's petting the dead fish on the on the boat. Like he's just oh, so man. sweet. I yeah, I like, bought it too. And I love like just like how into mcmurphy he is like like when mcmurphy at the party when he's behind the thing and he's like it's pill time everybody wake up like he's the first one to like excitedly run up to the window <laughs> like what are we doing <laughs> yeah. and when we were talking about how like childlike these I, patients I, are like yeah exactly yeah. like he's to me like he nailed the hit childlike hit, hit me <laughs> hit, hit me you got 20 hit me <laughs> he's, he's like who, that, who, who hits on a 20 <laughs> he's like that annoying little cousin you know yeah that's amazing. And then for worst, honestly, it was hard. I said I kind of love them all. Harding gets annoying. He's the one with the wife who's like fancy pants. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I do think like you need that dynamic there. Like he's like, like I don't hate him because it's fun to watch the other ones. Like they need someone to pick on, but they do like them. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't actually hate any of the guys. You're right. So it was hard. 
Um, for me, I just picked Cry Guy. Martini? I mean, uh, Cheswick? Yeah. What? <laughs> I was like, I God, get it together. It's so good. <laughs> I want my cigarettes. I am not a child. Well, I was very impressed by that. I wasn't expecting that from that character. Yeah. Like, it made sense to me, but for someone who was, like, so fragile up to this point, yeah. I was like, whoa, like, what the hell is yeah, going yeah. on? That's how you knew Miss Ratchet was in the wrong, I yeah. think. Like, if you didn't know by then, that's how you knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she really pushed it for no reason. Um, his character in, uh, dies in the book. Aww. Um, And it's like... It's one of those things where, like, it's it's kind of implied it's suicide, but it's also, like, it could not be. He drowns in the pool. Oh. Um, but the idea is, like, the impliedness is that it's uh, after McMurphy finds out. Remember when he's in the pool and the guard tells him, like, oh, you're here until we say you can leave? Right. Like, so in the book, you know, he it goes a lot harder to showing like, how much he starts to toe the line. Like, where he just, like, stops being McMurphy. Like, he's just like, oh, I'll, I'm going to be good. Like... Uh-huh. Like, it, it, Nurse Ratched holds the key to my escape. I'm going to be nice to Miss Ratched. And then, because Cheswick's the first one to be on his team, like, you know, like, he backs him up on the baseball, he backs him up on the cigarettes, like, he gets so fucked up and feels betrayed that, like, like, McMurphy, oh. like, ignited this thing in him, and then all of a sudden, McMurphy just stopped and became, like, a docile puppy. Right. And then, so it's, like, kind of implied that, like, the distress of that, like, he ends up killing himself in the wow, pool. Wow, that's but, yeah. complex. Yeah, it's fucked up. But I like that they... I think that's smart that they cut it out because by leaving no death until the end of the movie, it truly... Like, if someone already died before Billy, it wouldn't be the same impact, right. in my opinion. Yeah. Like, like it's so shocking that he dies because nobody dies in the movie, yeah. you know? I, I gotta say, I'm impressed that there was not one N-word thrown at those guys. Funny in the book. <laughs> Funny in the book. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> Chief, and, uh, Chief and McMurphy go back and forth quite a bit mm. uh especially like in that f- when they're like fighting them you know what i mean like yeah. It's, yeah, it's, oh they love my it god they love it uh. <laughs> 1962 baby uh, my uh, instincts weren't wrong do you, uh, do you have a, a best worst we kind of already talked about it and i really just brought it up in case we didn't go dive into it but just jack's best and worst move <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, not leaving is the worst move yeah <laughs> fair fair um I mean, he's got so many best moves. The I think the I think the uh, pretending to watch the baseball game might be the best move though, because Ooh. he was like he truly lost, and then he turned it around. Yeah, like the fishing thing. You know what I mean? Like it was already. It was more just like hey, I'm gonna see if I can get away with this. But like Nurse Ratchet beat him, and then he beat her. Right yeah. Like, Yo, I didn't even think about that. I might have to tag team on that. Yeah. That's yeah. That was a great move. Like that was like you know he could have sat like because right before that, he was slamming him, slamming stuff, yelling like he was just like throwing a tantrum, and then he mm-hmm. completely changed the mood of the whole ward. Yeah. And then she tried to shut that down. Yeah, like, Get out of here, boys. lady. It's like, Dude, stop what? <laughs> like, stop having fun? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I freaking hate her. Oh, uh, my God. She is the worst villain. <laughs> yeah. And then last I wrote, uh, best worst comedic line. Oh. Uh, this one might be hard for you. I think seen it, it might be too hard. And even for worst, I, I didn't really have one in my head. I had to Google quotes, and I just picked one that was like, eh. But my favorite, it's got to go to Danny DeVito and Martini. When after... Uh, after Nurse Ratched shuts down the gambling in, a, in, the, in the back room, and then he raises his hand. She goes, yes, Martini, Mr. Martini. And he goes, how are we going to win our money back? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it was, like, the most, like, articulate sentence he says in the whole movie, you know? Like, everything else is, like, hi, oh, hit me. You know, like, <laughs> like it's just, like, how are we going to win our money back? <laughs> like, it's, like, he truly, like, became a little bit With the smile, yeah. too. Uh, I love that That's line. That's really great. Yeah, there's a lot of great McMurphy lines, but that one's my favorite. I love it. And that. then for worst, again, I this isn't even 
bad. I just had to look up a list and pick the one, but it was just Jack Nicholson. You know, he's constantly talking shit, and one of them, he's like, get out of my way, son. You're using my oxygen. You know, like, Mm. that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I say by everyone knows that Chucky is pretty much an impersonation of Jack Nicholson, so I always assume that Brad Dourif picked it up on this movie. Whoa, like, you that's know, like, cool. Like it's 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 an exaggerated impersonation, but it's right. very like. Oh, you should have asked. Him. You know, like hey Andy. You know, like it's very it's that like <laughs> I'm a killer doll. What do you want? You know, I'm Jack Nicholson watching the Lakers. You know, like Whoa. it's very similar. Like. <laughs> What if Get out of my way, son. You're when Chief my killed him, that's when his spirit <laughs> left his body. And jo- when it- <laughs> well, because yeah, because Brad Dourif died at the same time, so yeah. their, <laughs> their spirits went up and combined and Whoa. came back with Charles Lee Ray. Yeah, hey, it kind of makes. Well, Charles Lee Ray would have been alive by then, but oh. you know, Charles Lee Ray died in '89, so you know it could have happened. <laughs> oh, that's stupid. Uh, you have any more best words? That's all I got. That's all I got too. Right, cool. Beyond the credits. <laughs> Beyond the cuckoo's nest. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any, like, hot, hot takes. I kind of already said it where I do think that the end of the book happens in the movie just after where I think Chief's escape ends up inspiring most of the guys to either leave or do something about it or, you know, just, right. like, take more ownership of who they <laughs> are and, and their life. Yeah, and I honestly think that the staff has gone through so much that they don't even really try and find Chief. No. <laughs> you know, like, they're like, ah, whatever. And how are you going to find someone? At, like, you know what I mean? Like, how are you really going to... Actually, him, maybe. Just fucking asking him yeah. to six foot eight Native American running around. Right. He's got great hair. But, uh, yeah, did you have anything specific beyond the credits? I didn't. I would... Just because I love seeing, like, stories close out, I would have loved to see the scene where Ratchet had to tell Billy's mom that he passed away. Yeah. Justice for Billy, always. Yeah, hashtag justice. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't really have anything um, beyond that. Cool, cool. It is funny, the one thing that you did ask for earlier does actually exist. Um, in 2020, uh, Ryan Murphy and Netflix put out Ratched on Netflix. <gasps> so it's a prequel show about Nurse Ratched. No way. Uh, with Sarah Paulson playing her. Um, Wait, how many seasons? Because he's only good at one season. Uh, there's only one season right now. Nice. Apparently, <laughs> they, they was a two-season order. But it's been two years and uh, we haven't seen anything. I think I so I watched the first episode this morning because I was curious. Oh, before this, I wasn't really that interested in it. I just I like American Horror Story and I like certain Ryan Murphy things, but I don't know if his aesthetic was gonna fit what I felt was Cuckoo's Nest. Uh huh. And I kind of have to agree. It's just like hmm. it. it just <laughs> I'm gonna feels... have to agree with me. Yeah, in yeah. My like, no, now, now that I've seen the first episode, I'm saying like that was my guess. Okay. okay and okay. I just like. I didn't hate it. It just didn't feel like this world at all. It was it was just very different. And mm-hmm. it reminded me a little bit of kind of like Bates Motel, where I think Sarah Paulson's doing interesting stuff with Ratchet. And I've only seen the first episode, so I don't know where it goes. Uh-huh. They're doing interesting stuff with her, but because it's like this big TV show, there have, there's like this other subplot about like this serial killer. Like the subplots don't really match, where like in Bates Motel, I loved the... Vera Farmiga as the mom. Like, I enjoyed what they wrote for Vera Farmiga and uh, whatever the hell his name was who played Norman. Yeah. Uh, but then they also had all these side subplots about like a drug war and cartels and gangsters. Why is it always a drug war? And it, it just didn't fit the world of Psycho, like the tone of Psycho. Oh, okay. I'm talking about Bates Motel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that then, makes- yeah, so like this movie opens up with like a serial killer, like mass murdering a bunch of priests and it's like shot like a horror movie. And I'm just like, I don't know if like that's like... 
And so I have a feeling if I keep watching, it's going to be like, I'll be into the Ratchet stuff, and there's going to be this all other weird side stories going on. Right. And then it's just like, you know, the show's very colorful. It's very bright. The uh, the hospital that they show is like, it's very high end. It just, I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll build to Cuckoo's Nest, mm. but it just didn't feel like Cuckoo's Nest. It was interesting enough. Like, I might right. watch more episodes, but it, it, it didn't like, it's kind of what I felt when I saw the trailers where I was like, eh. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, we're just in this era of making movies like Cruella and all this, where, like, villains can be villains. Like, we don't have to make everything. Where a it's two-side, like, yeah. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah, but they were nice one day. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, based on this first episode, they went the opposite route. <laughs> like, she is, like, an absolute monster. Oh, interesting. As opposed to this movie where I think she's a person with good intentions who's doing bad things. Hmm. I also like, she's setting up murders and, don't, like, she's killing people and then, like, setting up, like, framing people for it. And, like, it's, like, all this, like, it's very stylized oh. and not very realistic. Yeah. I'll also say, too, like, I feel like we're in the era of TV that's, like, very fancy and glamorized. And yeah. you're not really seeing that, like, gritty, like, just... No, it's so, it was so bright and mm-hmm. nice and, like, like... You know, yeah, like, <laughs> and like even like the what like they and like every and it takes place you know in 1947 because it's a prequel to this mm. but like i don't know i don't really believe some of the attitudes towards medicine like everyone's <laughs> like you know like we're here to like they're talking like they're from 2020 like you know oh, like we're here to unlock the I mean, like in 1947 you were fucking throwing water on these people and chaining them right. up like so i don't know we'll, we'll see i don't want to speak on the whole thing because I didn't really like Bates Motel that much after the first episode, and then I ended up really liking it. So uh-huh. maybe it gets a lot better, but I did watch the first one just to try it out. But I remember you said, you literally said, I'd love to see what happens to Ratchet before this movie. Yeah, so there's yeah. a whole TV show about it. Mm, yeah. And I think I like Sarah Paulson a lot. I get, you know, he's, she's his, like, she's who he always uses. Right. But I also think she's kind of too old. Oh, I, yeah, older. to play younger Ratchet. She's older in now than Louis Fletcher was when she played Nurse Ratchet, and it takes place almost 20 years beforehand. So uh, I just, like, they could have got, they should have got a woman in her 20s. Right. To play Nurse, because Nurse Ratchet's like 40, 41 in the movie. So, like, and Sarah Paulson's like 45 right now. So it's yeah. like, like, the so then that she would have been like in her mid 60s by the time. They, I, they didn't Cobra Kai it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Louise Fletcher's still alive, and I checked her IMDb, and she's not in the show. Like, just put, like, give her a role. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, not to yeah. play Nurse Make Ratched, her their but, mom or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't we'll know. see. I, because I'm, I'm 50 50 on Ryan Murphy. I, I like certain seasons of American Horror Story, certain seasons I hate. I love People vs. O.J. Simpson. I didn't like the Versace one. Like, you know, it's like, I don't really right. know how I feel about him. I I don't like Glee, but I like, you know, like, yeah. it's like. I liked Glee. I think that he's a one to two season kind of good dude. Um, that, that's my stance. Yeah. Like, I just, like, freaking season one of Glee. Season one of, um, actually, season two of Politician I really liked. But, um, like, season one of Pose. Like, I just, yeah. he nails, like, the beginnings. And even People versus like, People vs. O.J. Simpson. Like, yes. that was the best one he did. Like, like give him a miniseries and he'll freaking yeah, knock yeah. it out of the park. And I don't really care too much for season one of American Horror Story. But I think the first five seasons are the best. Mm. And then after that, it gets kind of bad. So mm. it's like, I, I agree. Where, like, he's good in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but, but and, and it just might be he has too many projects going on. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. That's why. <laughs> All right, so to wrap this bad boy up, I stand by. This is one of the few movies that I think is one of the greatest of all time and one of my favorites of all time. That doesn't always usually mix. <laughs> you know, a lot of my favorites are like the Karate Kid, but I wouldn't call that the greatest of all time. Like, I understand it's biased to me. You know what I mean? Right. But this is one of those two that hits that Venn diagram right in the middle where it's like it's considered <laughs> one of the greatest and like I love 
dissecting it and watching it. Like, it's dark and it's sad. Obviously, I don't love to watch it in that sense where I put it on and giggle. But anytime I watch it, I feel like I'm just gaining more subtext out of this fucking complicated story. And I love it. Mm-hmm. So, I, when I grace all time, perfect casting, every single role. There's not a single person who I don't believe which is crazy for a movie filled with stars. <laughs> like, you would think you wouldn't be able to see Christopher Lloyd as not Doc Brown, but, like, he's Tabor. Like, he's not Christopher Lloyd in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. And then I just... Everything this movie's saying, there's so many themes, and I don't think any of them get undercut or uh, by each other. Like, it's not like... It doesn't have, like... It doesn't contradict itself where it's like, oh, we're telling a story about this, and all of a sudden now it's about evolution. You know, like, it's like it sticks with its themes very well. Um, I love the stuff about human nature... And just like where, you know, putting you in these environments can create what you become. So even if you're not crazy, if enough people tell you you are and you get treated like you are, then mm-hmm. you start to think you're crazy. You know, I think it's a very complicated story to tell. And I love that even though this movie's disguised as a very specific story, like you would think that on paper, I can't relate to a movie about people in a mental ward. I don't even know that wor- world. But it's so relatable that you can apply the ideas to anything else. You can apply it to a job. You can apply it to parents. You can apply it to society. Like, you know, like any, anything, a prison. You can apply this kind of dynamic that this movie showcases into so many parts of, like, life. That I just, I think it's so rich, this story. There's so much you can tell about it. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. And then just the overall, yeah, the the, the change. I love the I love stories in cinema from the sixties and seventies because it's like America truly changed in those times, mm. and the stuff we were making before it is very different. And then everything we made after it, like you know, the seventies was the time of the Coppolas and the Scorseses and the, and all the fucking good shit, uh, or not just, not just good shit, but like these abilities to tell these darker stories without having to censor it for people's for for audiences Mm -hmm. so i love it for that um and then as far as you i mean i knew you were going to be bummed and mad at me and all the normal (laughs) classic why'd you show me this i want to (laughs) watch miss honey and matilda you know go off to skip into the roses together (laughs) but i just you know you gotta you gotta be challenged sometimes with these harder movies i I, that's your argument (laughs) oh i'm just saying like no i'm saying that's you gotta suck it up masha that's (laughs) why you should love it well i'm saying like just because the movie's hard to watch doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it like it's fucking great so i i knew i was gonna have to go over that hurdle but you gotta man up you love big ensemble casts and recognizing people so i just knew the cast was gonna be fun for you I thought you were going to catch Danny DeVito right away, and when you didn't, I got even more excited. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the cast. And it's just like, I, I kind of think I'm going to predict your answer of you being like, it's good, it's great, everything about it you said is right, but I don't love it because it makes me sad. So I know I might be end up in that route, but like, I don't know, just just like, just because you're sad doesn't make it something <laughs> you can't love. Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know, Masha, do you love what I love? I love it. Well, you're right in that I'm very mad at you. Ah. <laughs> I just wasn't prepared to to be challenged that way. And I think it caught me off guard. My guard was down and I was so happy. Hey, I started nice... I said sad 70s movie. <laughs> you should have kind of had some kind of guard. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. Like I, I said, like this isn't Muppets. Like this is like a, <laughs> this is like a sad adult movie. That's gonna yeah, I mean, you sad adult. Like, I was like, all right, you maybe I don't even know what I was thinking. Yeah. But anyway, I wasn't prepared for this. Um, <laughs> all that being said, though, I did enjoy the cast and seeing young versions of everyone. 
the story is very complex and does challenge a lot of themes. I really, I, I think we even still have more to talk about um, that the film brings up, uh, which is which is great, and that's what cinema and story should do, right? So I I do find myself in that <laughs> exactly what you mentioned. This is really bringing up feelings of like what I experienced with flight. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, and how much you still talk about flight. <laughs> That's what I mean by great movies. Like, we're not, you know... Okay, listen, I'm trying to talk here, and you're like, <laughs> you should love it, blah. <laughs> I know you're mad when you say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you should love it, blah, blah, blah. That's how I hear you in my head. Some of the listeners hear me, too. <sighs> All right. Well, where I'm going to end up with this one is, and I've been going back and, my forth, back and forth in my head about it, I'm just going to freaking say I love this movie, but I'm not trying to watch it anytime soon. <laughs> I am not trying to watch it anytime soon, I repeat. You want that copy of that book or what? No, I'm definitely not reading the book. <laughs> I'll just lean on you and the internet to tell me what happens in the book, but I think that the the themes that it's able to cover and just... I, I I think the themes that it's able to cover but still sort of present it in sort of an objective way is very... I think that they accomplished that and it was very hard to do that. Yeah. Because I still think that we're seeing the good side of the mental... Um, in industry at the beginning like it they're really trying to help people and they treat them really nice but at the end of the day like at the end of the movie i'm like i don't know where that turn happened but i'm seeing the dark side of this institution and i'm seeing the other side of like jack nicholson's character's point you know like neither of them are a hundred percent right no yeah okay so i I just want to jump in real quick because i I forgot to mention this earlier i think that's right to where like i do like i don't think it's unfair in the world of the movie that jack ends up getting punished at the end where it's like i he didn't have the right answer either it was somewhere in the middle yeah and so like he was doomed he doomed himself right from the beginning but the beauty of the movie is that like someone else like chief was able to learn the lessons right but not like not mimic him yes exactly that yeah um so with that being said, and I love Chief, so, you know, I'm just going to give it to you. Nah. <laughs> I'm very, I'm still upset, and you owe me, like, something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how you're laughing. What do I owe you? <laughs> I don't know, something nice. <laughs> but that's it. Well, folks, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Masha. And I'm Andy. And I hope you love what I love.